0: The more trust is built into the transaction, into the business itself, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the more likely you're going to get what you want out of it, whether you're a buyer or a seller.
1: Welcome to Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I'm your host, Christine Trumbull, a certified exit planning advisor, CPA, and certified tax strategist. I've spent the last 30 years working with owners to grow and scale their businesses, and then went on to help my own husband grow his. After his passing, I moved to the next chapter, ensuring seamless transitions for family-owned and closely held businesses. Each week, we are talking to experts about growth and transition, so you can not only simplify exiting your business, but also get as much wealth out of your business as possible. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. This is Christine Trumbull with Mastering Your Exit Strategy. And thank you for joining me again. Today, I am speaking with author Joe Valley. After building, buying, or selling a half dozen of his own companies, Joe helped build Quiet Light Brokerage, one of the leading online-focused M&A advisory firms in the world. Now, after facilitating over half a billion in exits, Joe has written the best-selling book, The Entrepreneur's Playbook, to help online business owners get the maximum value and best deal structure when they seek their own incredible exit. So thank you for joining me today, Joe. I really appreciate it.
0: It is so good to be here. And the first thing I'm going to do is go, what? You said the name of my book wrong, but there's a story that goes What did it. I say? You, you, said, you said the Entrepreneur's Playbook, which <gasps> is hilarious. Oh. So oh, no. when, I was, when I was writing the book, um, I, I surveyed 10 or 15 of my friends, influencers, people in the space. And I'm like, mm-hmm. look, I have two titles. One is Incredible Exits, and the other is Exitpreneur. What do you like? Um, 90% of them liked Incredible Exits because it flowed very well. Right. Uh, it, exitpreneur is a new funky word that's mm-hmm. hard to pronounce. Obviously. Uh, kind of a little goofy. <laughs> uh, and every time someone says it for the first time, it, you know, the Exitpreneur's playbook, you can yeah. tell they're doing their best to pronounce it properly. Yeah. It happens. Well,
1: it's, it's, that's incredibly frustrating to me because I've actually been telling people what I'm reading right now and I, and I'm going the entrepreneur's playbook and they're like, what?
0: <laughs> right.
1: So I'm, well, I'm very sorry. I I'm very, I'm shocked that I did that. It's I-
0: funny. It's funny. You don't have to be sorry about it. You know, the other strange thing about it is that, um, you know, I filed for a trademark mm-hmm. uh, for the word uh mm-hmm. and of all, of all companies uh, that would uh, say, um, treading on their, on their turf, it, it's, uh, EMI, which is entrepreneur magazine. Now they're, they're also known as a trademark bully. If you just do <laughs> no. a Google of trademark bully and whatnot, right. but they, they actually think there's a conflict now that you, now that you said the entrepreneur's playbook, um, oh. you know, I might lose <laughs> yeah. that fight. Oh, no. Um, although entrepreneur should never have been a trademarked word to begin with. No, but, uh, no absolutely not.
1: Absolutely yeah. not. Well, I, I absolutely adore this book. It, is, it was a fun read for, for one thing. It was an incredibly informative read. Um, but I like the way you were able to incorporate it, it's sl- ever just ever so slightly on the edge of technical. Um, Not, not, not terribly technical at all, but I mean, for the, the average business owner, it does definitely give them some information to think about, but it's also, I mean, there's, there's no sugarcoating this, (laughs) you, you get right into it. And you explain that, look, you know, if you want to make money selling your business, you're going to have to do certain things. And I, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way I explain things to, to my clients as well. But it does, it speaks the plain truth. And I, I absolutely love the way you laid it out. Um, so how did you end up in the online focused m and advisory arena?
0: Mm, good question. Good question. Well, thank you, first of all, for the compliments of, of the book. Um, uh, I tried to make it as real and readable as possible and relatable as possible. Yes. Um, I was not my true, authentic self in the book. Otherwise, there would have been some profanity as well, <laughs> just for the record. Um, like, what the heck are you doing? Um, yeah. Kind of thing. So I wound up in the online MA space because I one of the companies that i built um was an e-commerce business and i i it was a, a radio and television product mm-hmm. and then in 2005 i took it 100% online and then in 2010 i woke up one day and decided to sell it i was working 20 hours a week living on lake norman here in north carolina um my kids were young my wife uh had lots of friends over to play with the kids and I was miserable. It was just the saddest thing. Like, I have nothing to be miserable about work-wise. It, right. Yet I was. Uh, I moved into it. It was just me and my developer and I was unhappy. And so I woke up and decided to sell, which was a mistake. Um, fortunately, actually, one of the advisors that I interviewed was Mark Doust from Quiet Light Brokerage, who's now my business partner. And he said, go away. He said, look, man, you, your business is coming back strong with the, new, with the economy after the recession. If you wait six months, you're gonna make another X amount of dollars. I'm like, you're telling me to go away? You're actually acting in my best interest. <laughs> yeah. Who is this man? How do we duplicate him across the entire world? Right. Um, the other two that I spoke to were just trying to get their hooks into me for a commission and it just felt awful. Yeah. Which is the reason most people don't reach out to advisors like you, like me. They're just afraid to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up waiting six months, sold my business. Um took 2011 off, trying to figure out my life, figure out what I wanted to do and joined Quiet Light in April of 2012. And from 2012 to 2017, I was, you know, an M&A advisor. I was the second or third one on the team. We can't really, Amanda and I can't really recall if it was me or her who uh, joined. And of course we have no records, right? You know, well, why would you keep records of stuff like that? <laughs> It was Jason, Mark founded the company. It was Jason who was the original advisor. Uh, he was my advisor at the time. And uh, by the time I joined a year and a half later, it was just still him. Uh, and then Amanda and I joined. We now have 15 advisors, um, a staff of probably all in 10, if you add a few you know, permanent contractors in there. Um, we closed just under 215 million in total transactions last year. We've grown 55% year over year for the last four years. Or five years since 2017 mark and i became official partners in 2017 and for those that want to own their own business um or be a partner like i am in a fairly large business make yourself invaluable it's exactly what i did i uh the lowest from 2012 to 2000 really even up to 2018 i did uh uh at least 40%. And that's in the later years when we had a bigger team. But there was a year where I did 70% of the total transactions at Quiet Light. And you get to that point and you get, you know, I sat down with Mark. I said, look, I want to be an equity partner. And I was was ready to write a check, Christine. (laughs) He didn't I, he didn't ask me to write a check. I tell him that today. He's like, "Yeah, well, it's worked out okay. <laughs> it's, it's worked out okay. We we we've, we've grown a bit. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into it. Uh, I've okay. always been self-employed. I've always, you know, well, not really. Since self-employed since 1994. Okay. Ni- 1997. But I've always been an entrepreneur in 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 my mind, right? I've always right. I never, I never really had a job for very long. (laughs) That's the truth. You're, you're either an artist or an entrepreneur if that's, uh, you know, the, the label. And so it just, it just happened. I loved the process. Mark Mm -hmm. was helpful to me first and foremost, as was Jason. And so the, the company was founded with that in mind and built with that in mind. And and I ran with it and now we've got a, a great team that does the same thing but there's a problem and that is that people are still afraid to talk to you and me of the world. Right. Um, hence I just felt the need to, uh, to write the book as well.
1: Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I, it, when you're an entrepreneur and you're working for somebody else, you have a tendency to not stick around terribly long, whether, whether it's your choice or, <laughs> or them going, would you stop trying to own my business? <laughs> They, they, you have too many ideas of the best way to do it, or the way you would do it if it was yours. At least that's always been my problem. Uh, so, how is an online business exit different from a non-online or brick-and-mortar type exit?
0: You know, I, I don't imagine it's all that different. I've had lots of people that have read the book that are in the brick-and-mortar space and have reached out, thanking me and talking about, you know, what a difference chapter 11 makes you get the book there, the, the book on ad backs, um, oh, and yeah, how much, yeah. and how much it's added to the overall value of your yeah. business. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, I don't think there's any difference, uh, in terms of the, the sale process, except that your buyer pool is limited, right? right. Your, your buyers cannot be anyone, anywhere in the world. Generally, you're selling to somebody in your geographic location, Right. Um, that's the key difference. The other part may also be that uh, with brick and mortar, there may be some uh, licensing involved if there's real estate and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Right. Um, with our stuff, uh, 99.9% of it is a straight asset sale and there's no stocks and there's no real estate or anything like that involved. Okay.
1: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So I love, hold on, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to start referencing the book. We're not going to go through the whole book because obviously that would, (laughs) but I am going to start referencing the book because I absolutely adored this and, and, and forgive me. I did use this in um, a presentation I did a couple of weeks ago. I did give you credit. However, Um, you, you, you came up with this phrase, choose your pain. Mm. Can you explain that?
0: I'm not sure if I came up with it. I've used it. Uh, it's right? in your
1: book. <laughs> I know,
0: I know, but but I give credit. I give credit to uh, Beachbody.com. So you know, I was. I love Beachbody. <laughs> I was five minutes into a workout, and i I'd, I'd done some of the uh, Beachbody uh, programs with PX90 and a few mm-hmm. other things with you know real tough macho men. This particular program was you know a. a, a five foot, 210 pound woman, uh, running the show. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this is no, no big deal. And, and literally five minutes in, she's, you know, talking about choosing your pain, choose the pain of, you know, staying fit and healthy, right. uh, you know, working out, that's the pain part, but you can mm-hmm. stay fit and healthy for the long run or the pain of not doing it. And that's, right. you know, uh, physically unfit and whatnot and she was yelling at me she said choose your pain valley cuz i was in a lot of pain 5 minutes in um no, she didn't obviously yell to me but it felt like it because <laughs> i was in a lot of pain i was uh-huh. out of breath and sore in places i didn't know i could be sore at um and, and so i just took that you know message to the book again um if if i could be my authentic self i'd be yelling different things than choose your pain but you know i've seen way too many successful entrepreneurs choose the wrong pain and mm-hmm. they're afraid to have that conversation with an advisor. They're afraid to learn the true value of their business and how close or how far they are from their goals. They just think, you know, they can do it on their own and sell their business and they definitely choose the wrong pain. They focus on revenue mm-hmm. instead of profit. Um, they don't understand addbacks backs and the values that it brings. They don't understand that, 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 your credit card points are actually, you know, an owner benefit and a value to the bottom line numbers of the business. Mm-hmm. So they're choosing the wrong t- pain by not educating themselves. And the pain that they're choosing is, um, you know, when they want to exit, they're not going to be able to exit or not going to be able to exit for the value that they need in mm-hmm. order to move on to their next adventure uh, financially. You right. are so they're choosing the wrong pain. Um, And there's another phrase in there. I'm not sure if you saw it, but what they're doing is they're giving the buyers an ignorance discount. Yes. Uh, And it's the seller that's the ignorant one because they're undervaluing their business and, uh, and buyers just love that.
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Or it's, you know, the, the one that I, that absolutely breaks my heart and is so incredibly frustrating is the ugly baby syndrome basically where they, the owner thinks that their business is of course it's worth all of this money. Why wouldn't it be worth all of this money? Again, it's the you know, we have all this revenue, we have all this profit, we have all this cash flow. Why wouldn't it be worth what exactly what I want? And come to find out, it's not. It's uh, it's usually yeah. nine times out of ten, it's not even close.
0: Yeah, well, that's the simple answer to that is because buyers have choices. Right. You know, they can they can buy your business at a 10 time multiple, which is ridiculous or they can buy these other four businesses mm-hmm. at a three and a half to four multiple. And of course, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about multiple wise because I don't know the business itself, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but this is a conversation I've had with hundreds of entrepreneurs over the years. Yeah. I'm like, Dude, you're, 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 you're living in, in a, in a unrealistic world. Right. Um, yeah. You know, an example, I think I talk about in the book, and that is an example most people can relate to because most entrepreneurs watch shark tank. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a dozen or more of those people have conversations with us and we've sold a few of their businesses. We've mm-hmm. got somebody on the team that was on shark tank. He currently has a deal with Robert, but this one guy, you know, he was on shark tank. His revenue went through the roof. Um, uh, it, it only lasted a little while. He stopped all organic, uh, all, all media spending because he figured the organic numbers would just carry the business. And so the business went from doing two million a year in revenue to five hundred thousand in revenue because he stopped all spending. Right. I'm like, and and and, you know he's he he thinks it's worth three million dollars. I'm like, come on, like why is it worth three million dollars? Well, all you have to do is start spending money again. I'm like, okay, go ahead and do it. (laughs) Prove it because buyers are smart. Anybody that's going to stroke a check for three million dollars, A is going to have choices. B, they're smart. They're going to figure it out and and they're going to ask him to carry a lot of uh, the value in an earnout in the event that that doesn't work. Right. So if you're, if you're smart and you're running the business properly with an exit in mind, this Mm -hmm. is the thing I talk about more often than not these days is that the first thing you've got to do as an entrepreneur is set an exit goal Mm -hmm. and accept the fact that you are going to exit your business one way or another. The best way to do it is by choosing the right pain and doing some Mm -hmm. hard work now. So you're happy later on, but pick a dollar amount, pick a date that you want to exit and absolutely write down how you want to feel when you exit as well. Uh, I don't know if you ask this question, like, how do you feel after the exit is done? Most people, uh, the response is I feel like a burden has been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. And so dollars date and feeling, and then reverse engineer a path to that goal. Right. If you mm-hmm. don't figure out what the value of your business is, that exit goal is just a fantasy. Right. I talked to somebody the other day. He's doing about $150,000 a year in revenue, and he wants to exit in 24 months uh, for $10 million. Yeah, right. You're going, the <laughs> hell do, how the hell do those numbers work?
1: Yeah, if you're listening and you don't see the video, my, 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 my face is going,
0: huh? Yeah, it just doesn't work. And so we, you know, kind of ran through the numbers and essentially what he needs to do is have, and this is a ballpark, right? Every business is different, but ballpark $2 million in discretionary earnings in order to hit that $10 million exit and lots and lots of growth along the way. Right. So he's at $30,000 in discretionary earnings now. um, And he has to do a lot of work to get it there. And the key thing in this world that I live in is that if he was able to achieve that people that are not in the world of entrepreneurship would go well, why the hell would he sell it he's growing so rapidly he's gone from you know uh, 150,000 in revenue to 10 million in revenue why would he sell that right the reality is as you know is that when you're scaling rapidly like that the biggest challenge is just trying to keep up with inventory demand yeah and the working capital needs and People, staff, things of that nature. So, if he went from one hundred fifty thousand in revenue to ten million in revenue in twenty-four months in an e-commerce business, which Mm -hmm. his was, he would his cash flow would be negative. You know, and that's why he sells, right? Because he's not making any money along the way because there's so much working capital needs for the business.
1: Right. Right. Well, plus there's also those people who love the growth, they love the challenge. And then they get to a certain point and it's, it's not their arena. I think you actually touched on this in this book. I hope I'm not confusing my books now, but (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's not their arena. That's not where they want to, that's not the space that they want to play in. They love playing in that growth, that rapid growth space, but not the, you know, the actual managing of the day-to-day space.
0: Yeah. And this is where most people get things wrong. And they think just because Zuckerberg did it, I can do it too, right. Right? Uh, right? You know, I'm the next Elon Musk or 150th or 1,000th 1, 1, of Elon Musk. It's still going to be a huge business. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really not cut out for that. Not because th- 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 there's, a, there's the chance that maybe they could pull it off. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's not in their wheelhouse and they would be miserable. And when right. you're miserable, you don't do things as well. So the most That's important thing I think that people, entrepreneurs like you and me and everybody listening needs to figure out is w- what is my level of incompetence? Where is it that, um, my set is, is, is not quite at the level it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I can learn it cause I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a smart person. I can learn it. I can figure it out. But is it going to be at, at the expense of my happiness and my joy? Right. Right. Um, my role has changed here at Quiet Light. I'm not an advisor anymore. You know, you get burned out on certain things. So I've moved, you know, to a different aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things within this company that I get excited about and that I, I do well. And there are certain things that I, if I take them on, I will just delay it and screw it up because I don't want to do it because that's my level of incompetence. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear for me after, you know, 56 years on this earth and, and you know, 20 three of them being an entrepreneur understand and figure out your own personal level of incompetence, mm-hmm. um, both technology wise and happy, happiness wise, mm-hmm. and make sure you don't get there. Make sure you exit before you get there, right. or this is, you know, uh, adverse to what you and I do for a living, um, exit without exiting. And that means you get big enough to bring on mm-hmm. a CEO, CTO, CMO, CFO, and right. you are sitting above them all on the, uh, the board of directors. Um, right. and th- and they're running the show for you. so you're you're exiting the daily grind and that workload, but you're not exiting the business. Right. That, you got to get big in order to do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so one of the things that you mentioned that in the book is that owners make at least fifty percent of all of the money that they're ever going to make from their business. And this is that was I, I never. Quite frankly, and embarrassingly enough, never really thought of it that way until I saw that in writing. And owners don't understand that and they don't recognize that just as much as they really need to get real with themselves about where their deficiencies lie and what they're not, you know, Yeah. where they're not great. Um, they also need to understand that this is, this is the largest financial transaction they are probably ever going to make. Well, that second
0: part, that second part that, you know, this is the largest financial transaction they're ever going to make. And why in the hell wouldn't you put all your, your, your efforts (laughs) into learning as much as you can about it? And why in the hell would you go it alone? Exactly. You think think the CEO of a hundred million dollar company is just simply going to say, yeah, I got this. (laughs) <laughs> and, and try to sell it on their own, <laughs> right. right? No, they're not. Right. Um, so get you know get the knowledge and experience and expertise on your mm-hmm. side. I wrote yeah. the book for that purpose in terms right. of gaining some knowledge and expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, you're a blue belt. You're not a black belt. You're going to get your ass kicked, and you're going to lose a lot of money in the process because every deal falls apart at one point or another, mm-hmm. right? And it's the jo- the difference between a good advisor and a great advisor at the great advisors gets back on track towards mm-hmm. closing with minimal changes. Right. If you're, if you're doing it on your own and you're two weeks away from $7 million, a life-changing number, and it falls off the rails, you are going to be so emotional and your mm-hmm. buyer is just going to, he's going to tune into that and he's going to twist and says, well, look, this was off. I'm a little uncomfortable with this. I'm going to adjust the price. And, you know, we need to, we need to flip this portion of it to an earn out, which means you're not going to sleep as well at night. Right. And you're going to take it. Cause if you don't, you just have to go back to the drawing board and start it at square one. And you are so close to being emotionally checked out. (laughs) You can't check, you can't check back in. I've been there. It's hard. Yeah. So um, there's that aspect of it, but I just answered the last question. What was the first part of that question?
1: I don't remember, but <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so
0: it's not just me.
1: It's a fantastic segue. You've mentioned this a couple of times, but um, explain for the listeners what SDE is.
0: Okay, good. So that's, and, wh-
1: and why they need to care about it.
0: So we used to call it owner benefit, which is much easier to understand. Mm-hmm. What owner benefit does the owner of the business get from that business? Right. Simple. Right. Well, I get my salary. Well, I get my perks with my American Express points. Uh, well, I, I traveled to an event and then I stayed for an extra four days and I saw the Grand Canyon. Those are all owner benefits. Mm-hmm. I write my mobile phone off through the business because the business doesn't have a, mo, a you know, a landline. Right. These are online businesses, obviously. Mm -hmm. These are all owner benefits. So seller's discretionary earnings is the culmination of all of the owner benefits, plus one-time expenses and non-recurring expenses. What's a one-time expense? I've got a business partner now. Uh, Let's say my business partner decides to buy me out. Well, that's going to cost some money. We've got some legal fees associated. Let's say we spent a total of 10 grand doing that in 2022 and he buys me out, that expense is not going to recur again in 2023 because he's not buying himself out. So if he was to sell the business in 2024, that $10,000 expense of buying me out is a one-time non-recurring expense that's going to be added back to the seller's discretionary earnings. I'm getting so far into the weeds. I apologize. Seller's discretionary earnings is Net income on the bottom of your P and that you export from QuickBooks or zero. It's not an Excel spreadsheet P and L. Export it. <laughs> so it's okay. net income plus addbacks equals sellers discretionary earnings, and those addbacks are those one-time expenses. The addbacks are expenses that don't carry forward. Um, in in if it's a single owner operator business or a owner operator business with some staff, the owner operator payroll in most cases, is an ad back. The payroll taxes he or she pays is an ad back. The cash back money is an ad back. I, I, I give 18 different examples of it, mm-hmm. of ad backs in the book. And there's actually a 19th that I could have and should have put in there now that I've talked about this enough times. Um, in in my world, there's uh, what are called FBA aggregators now. There are companies like Thrass and Elevate and Perch, Boosted. And I'll even throw in Profound Commerce in there as well. There you go, Matt, uh, former client of mine that's about five businesses. He's just raised $50 million <laughs> to buy up FBA businesses. So they're basically buying up fulfilled by Amazon businesses. Okay. If I'm an Amazon business owner, I probably subscribe, I definitely subscribe to Jungle Scout and or Helium 10, combined probably $500 a month. Right. If Thrass. Buys me, that's an expense that does not carry forward to Thrask because they already subscribe. They actually subscribe to higher level stuff. Right. So I would argue if I was selling only to an FBA aggregator that mm-hmm. that's an ad back. It's black and white, math and logic. It will pass the test. Uh, And that's $500 a month or $6,000 a year. If I sell mm-hmm. my business for a four time multiple, that's $24,000 a year. Christine, do you have any children? Yes, two. Did they go to public school, college yet? Private. Uh,
1: n- yeah, no, but yeah, we're done State? with school.
0: All right, so I have two. I've got an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old. One of them goes to NC State. Mm-hmm. It's $25,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That one ad back just paid for one-fourth of his college education. Right. If you don't pay attention to this level of detail when you're selling your business, mm-hmm. you will have to pay for that college education with your own money. Right or whatever it is, you want that RV afterwards, so you can travel the country, <laughs> whatever it is, these things matter and matter right. greatly. It's I was in a, I was a I European
1: know, cruise. There you
0: go. There you go. You know, know what Christine wants to do in her, uh, in her retirement. No, I back. was at, at an event in October. Uh, and this, look, this applies to all level of business owners. And I say this because in October, I was at an event for eight-figure sellers. Mm -hmm. So there were uh, 27 of us that were there, and everybody there is doing eight figures. Um, And I'm sitting around a fire pit. I was there as uh, the author of the book, uh, owner of Quiet Light, uh, partial sponsor of the event, and just be there to pick my brain type of thing. Right. So I'm sitting around a fire pit with this uh, guy, Kevin, who is maybe in his late twenties, early thirties, you know, um, and he's running a business that is worth, um, you know, $50 million. Okay. Tough life. The kid has, um, he had an offer on the business for a 10 time multiple of what he called sellers discretionary earnings. Okay. All right. 10 times. And so we're just sitting and chatting And I started asking him about ad backs and this is why they're so important. I said, well, he said, what's an ad back? I said, okay, this kid's going to lose money in the sale. Um, I said, well, do you use any cash back credit cards for your business? And he got all, I said, he said, Oh, hell yes. Yes. Yeah. We do. We do credit card stacking. And that (laughs) means that, you know, we use this Amex up to the $150,000 max that month. And then we go to the next card and the next card all in, we get about, $50,000 um, fifty thousand dollars a month in cash back money. I can see it for the business. Yeah, he said, and that all goes to me personally. I mean, we we furnish the house, we go on cruises, we go on trips, we do so much with that money. Yeah, I'm like as you should. I said yeah. that's incredible. Oh yeah, but, but you can add that back to your ad back schedule. That's an owner benefit. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I like the term owner benefit better than seller's discretionary earnings. That's an owner benefit. So at $50,000 a month, you know, that is $600,000 a year that he missed in his P and L ad back schedule. He's getting an offer. He's got an offer for 10 times. So that fire pit conversation led to 6 million in additional dollars in value to his company. Wow. These details matter. Yeah. Having conversations matter reading Mm -hmm. a book matters (laughs) this is you know the business is likely your most valuable asset treat it that way right when it comes to the exit you've got to you've got to and you've got to find the right person to connect with look if you if you connect with Christine, you can't stand her. Don't sell the business through her. I'm sure you say <laughs> the same thing. Find somebody else. The same with me. Right. You don't like me. You don't like anybody. Quietly like, find somebody that you connect with, mm-hmm. because this is your life's work, and you deserve right. maximum value and the best deal structure when yeah, you. And,
1: expect- and it goes and it goes back to that 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 fear of not wanting to talk to an advisor. There is this uh, this this young man running a $50 million a year business who, again, doesn't know what he didn't know and was going to walk away from multiple millions of dollars just because he he wasn't talking to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I don't care if you're earning, you know, 50 grand a year or 50 million a year. You Definitely. know, it's just, it's having that, you know, get a book. like you just said, have a conversation with, you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about and build that relationship.
0: Let me me just, let me just clarify before you skip on this this next part, having a conversation with someone who knows what they're talking about. Thank you. Yes. That's not someone who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, was part of a company that sold that. That was not even somebody that, that, that's, that recently sold their company, right? Just because they went through it doesn't mean they do it, did did it correctly. Right. Doesn't mean they did it. Yeah. Talk to an expert in the, in the space. If they've, right. sold, if they've sold five companies, then maybe it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to have. And but that's a maybe though. Maybe, right. They, <laughs> they still could have done it wrong every time. They could have gone, oh yeah, I keep selling to Thras. They keep giving me money. Like, okay. yeah.
1: <laughs> but could yeah. they be giving you more money?
0: Uh, absolutely. They're, they, yeah. they're, they're, the, difference, the difference is um, whether it's Thras or a private equity firm, anytime you go direct, Mm-hmm. that aggregator, that private equity firm, their job is to buy your business for as little as possible. Right. My job and your job, Christine, is to help these people sell their businesses for as much Which as possible. possible. Right. And guess what? We're incentivized that way. Mm-hmm. The more the business sells for, the more we actually make. Right. The less the aggregators and private equity firms buy your business for, the more they make. Right. So the aggregators have a great pitch. They've raised billions of dollars they they push hard uh, to any online business owner uh, that's in the FBA space. They've gotten an email, a phone call, snail mail, a, do- a knock on the door. Hey, we'll buy your business, pay all cash and close in 30 days. Right? None of it's true. And <laughs> they really want to buy it for as little as possible, but they're doing a great job at marketing. Right.
1: So we're going to switch over to the buyer's side now. Cool. Thank you for the segue. <laughs> um,
0: so smooth. <laughs> it was,
1: it was very good. Uh, so you've noticed over time that um, uh, as, as you've been doing this, you know, working in this arena, that the buyer, um, what you've got in the book is that the buyer basically focuses on four categories. Can you talk, tell me. I want to know what the categories are and if you could explain, you know, in a little bit more detail, which each one, what each one is.
0: I love this. You're testing whether or not I remember that part of in my book. Um, <laughs> I, I, I d- have
1: notes if you need help.
0: <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's, 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 I used to, I used to write them on my, on my laptop monitor, you know, as I was having valuation calls to make sure, sure I went through it all properly. It's risk growth, transferability, and documentation. This is what buyers look at whether they actually know it or not. And so every valuation call I do is around those four things. Mm -hmm. You know, buyers are investing money. They want to understand what the risk of that investment is. How old is the company? How diverse is the company? Uh, Has it, um, uh, are you the name and face of the owner uh, of the company? Those types of things in in that risk category. Mm -hmm. An example of too much risk may be a company that's only 12 or 24 months old. It's young. It still hasn't worked the kinks out yet. It's right. not well trained. It can't do what you know a five-year-old company can do when they face adversity. Right. So risk is really important. Um, there's six different levels to it there. Just like in the adbacks, there's six different levels. And this, there's six different levels as well. And and this is both for buyers and sellers to understand, uh, because you know, it, the valuations are not just math. Valuations are done so much on risk, growth, transferability, and documentation. Right. The math is your seller's discretionary earnings times a multiple range equals mm-hmm. the range value of your business until we really you know, narrow it down into just before listing. Mm-hmm. Where you fall in that range, I call the four pillar tilt. These are the four pillars of value, risk, growth, transferability, documentation. Imagine that they are pillars and you tilting one way and your value goes up, you tilt the other way and your value goes down. Mm -hmm. So as buyers look at these things and they see too much risk and the growth has stagnated and transferring this business is going to be really hard because, you know, you uh, you're the name and face of the business, or you maybe are, um, the owner of the real estate, uh, in the warehouse and whatnot. Um, but you're willing to travel 90 minutes to get there. Whereas your local buyer is not transferability issue there. Hey. Um, and then the, the documentation is, you know, this is, this is the part that kills me. You're running a, you know, a $4 million business and you're using Excel spreadsheets, just got the Cut the crap. Right. So or or you don't, you know, you don't reconcile your accounts and you can't run a profit and loss statement and your bookkeep you, and your your CPA is doing it, which is the worst, right? Your CPA. Okay. I'm doing, a CPA, so please know, be careful. I know. I I, I I I see it. You're a CPA, CEPA. and now
1: I don't want to, I didn't want to do books and, and and I agree with everything you're saying.
0: Yeah, the problem. You know, the problem with in, in, in businesses that have physical products that they're selling is, you know, CPAs want to just do one big um, accrual adjustment yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah. That doesn't do you any good at all if you want to understand the value of your business in June. Right. Right. And trust yeah. me, you're not going to go, I'm ready to sell, but I'll just wait until January because that's when my numbers are <laughs> It's crap. It's not going right. to happen. Right. Um, so uh, documentation, this is where most people never get out of the gate. This is why most conversations that occur mm-hmm. don't go beyond that initial one because the owner of the business is not willing to do the work on the documentation. Right. I, uh, on the exitpreneur.io website, there's a partner page and down there, there's six or seven e-commerce bookkeepers. And I'm just telling people, please just call one of them. It's the email one. of them. Please work with one of them. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's less expensive than hiring an in-house bookkeeper that doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Um, and it's less expensive than the, the Tesla that you're driving or even <laughs> that Ford Mach E or even, you know, whatever it's, it is. It's, it's,
1: they it's, p- pick anything and it's less expensive than the amount of money that you're going to lose. Oh, by far. Trying Absolutely. to clean it up or at the table at, when, you, when you do go to sale.
0: Yeah. And, and, and by the time you're ready to sell, um, you're emotionally ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And then you have a conversation with Christine. She says, well, your books are a mess. We need to go back to the drawing board, get this fixed. It's mm-hmm. going to take, you know, three months and you got to spend $3,000. You're going you're gonna to go, I'm going to have a conversation with someone else. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to have a conversation with someone else. Who's not as good as you are, not as ethical as you are, Mm -hmm. not looking out for their best interest. And then you say, Sure, I can sell it for that. Come on, sign this engagement letter. And by the way, it's a 12 month engagement letter. Right. And they get you emotionally hooked. And three weeks in, they're like, Yeah, you know, we're not getting much of a response. I think we need to drop this price by a couple of hundred grand. Mm -hmm. I see it happen over and over again. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Do the work. Choose your pain, people. Choose your pain. (laughs) There you go. I brought it back
1: around. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I experienced that just a couple of months ago with a, and, and, you know, lovely young man had a fantastic, he had an app, he created an app and he was, you know, that's apparently that's what a lot of us need to do is just create an app that's very successful. And he had people just coming to his door, wanting to give him multiple millions of dollars until they saw his financial statements. And I can't tell you what he was giving them because by the time I got there, all I knew was that you know, the, the payables and the bills are in QuickBooks, great. And then the income and the, the revenue is from five different payment platforms that never made it into QuickBooks. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So when I'm trying to get him to give me information, he loses three out of five of his staff because we're dealing with the great resignation. And guess what's, you know, I mean, he's losing it, you know, yeah. and I can't. in he's, he's not talking to me now.
0: <laughs> so. And, it's, and it, it, it's sad. I mean, the easiest thing there, you know, is. You know, hire a good e-commerce bookkeeper that's going to do all that work for you. Don't right. hire anybody local. Uh, that's an online business. You should yeah. hire, you know, an online bookkeeper Yep. Um, and do the work that's required. You yeah. know, um, I give an example in the book about Bob. Bob's the one that wanted to retire by the time he was 50 to join the ministry. He yes. ran, he had a side hustle generating 300 grand a year, you know, this is like, okay, I, how many side hustle people can claim that he had a full-time job and a side hustle. Right. Right. But he, he did everything in, in uh, Excel and it went under LOI twice and fell through twice. Mm-hmm. And finally he hired that bookkeeper, spent $1,500. Right. All of his data was actually accurate, right? Right. The bookkeeper took all of it from the bank statements, the credit card statements, everything, put Mm -hmm. it into QuickBooks for the last 36 months, spent $1,500 doing it, which was cheap. It's probably more today. Very very cheap. Relisted it, uh, actually went back to the backup buyers. He sold it for $50,000 more than the previous two LOIs. Yeah. So he spent Mm $1,500, about three works of time and effort, and, and got an extra, let me do my math, $48,500 out of it. Hell of a return.
1: Right. And it was simply because the perception the buyers had on the financial information that was being provided to them, it was still the same information, but it's the way it was presented because that's what buy. it it goes back to that risk. You know, if it's, if it's outside their comfort zone, your risk goes up,
0: right? If It's something they're
1: familiar and can wrap their heads around and prove then your risk goes down, your price goes up.
0: It, yeah, it's a simple little word that everybody can relate to no matter what side of the table you're on, and that is trust. The more trust is built into the transaction, into the business itself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the more likely you're going to get what you want out of it, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Right. You know, every seller, uh, everybody that's running a business right now that's listening to this should be thinking, I'm going to build a great business for a great buyer to take over at a great price, period. They're going to get what they want if they have that mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not going to get what they want if they just put Band-Aids on problems and don't do things that are going to be documented impeccably and instill trust and confidence first in you, Mm -hmm. the advisor that's going to help them achieve their financial dreams Mm -hmm. and be the the buyer. The buyer is going to go, yeah. Okay, I I know you want 3 million, but I just don't feel comfortable with this unknown, undocumented factor over here. So I tell you what, I'm going to give you 2.5. So I'm going to look for a discount, a little over 10%. But of the 2.5, I'm only comfortable giving you a one and a half million bucks. The other the other million we need to do on an earn out over the next five years. Right. If the if the business hits the benchmarks that you're bragging it will, uh, then you'll get paid. If right. it slows down, it'll take longer. If it speeds up, you'll get paid faster. You got listed for 3 million. You're going to get half that money up front. It's not what you were achieving. It's not what you were shooting for. Right. And it's all because you didn't instill trust.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's very simple. Very simple. Yeah. So, what about the fifth pillar?
0: Ah, the fifth pillar. There isn't a fifth pillar, is what my business partner Mark will tell you. And <laughs> structurally, he's right. So, let's, you know, uh, but the, wait the, a minute. It's the, in the, the book. No. <laughs> I know it is. I know the fifth pillar is the mortar that holds the pillars together. How's that? Um, okay. Yeah. Cause I'm visualizing there are the four pillars with the roof on top. Um, mm-hmm uh the, the the person behind the business the one that's running it is the person is is the mortar that holds all that pillars together and that's where this trust comes into play i did a, a presentation a few weeks ago in norfolk virginia it was at uh, e-commerce fuel and i talked a lot about trust and the fifth pillar and being a good human and i put some slides up on uh, the big screen to indicate what not to do Um, I was on a podcast. I was interviewed on a podcast um, maybe four or five months ago. And the the person that was interviewing me had uh, 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 a Make America Great hat again and a Trump sweatshirt on, which is fine, right? Uh, I'm not saying I don't like that or that I do like that. But what he's doing immediately, if, if he's the seller of a business, he's eliminating half of his potential buyers. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's out there saying it. He's saying it loud and proud. He's probably posting stuff online. Right. And he's eliminating half the people. He's he's eroding trust in 50% of the people. Right. So you got to be uh neutral online. Be careful what you say. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with with the world that we live in today with, you know, um the big divide between our our political parties with vax versus anti-vax and all this stuff mm-hmm. be a good human don't go there online because if i'm going to stroke a check for five hundred thousand, a million two three four million mm-hmm. i'm going to find everything about you online mm-hmm. and that's going to determine whether i trust you or not right and if i can't find everything about you my wife will, cause she's better at it than I am. And if we can't find <laughs> enough on you, we're going to hire somebody right. to find what we can about you. And I learned this lesson the hard way I listed a business for sale. Um, it was somebody, he was a CPA, he was mm-hmm. 28 years old, um, was running a side hustle business that was, you know, um, on paper worth about a million bucks. It was a silicone ring business. If you've ever seen those, um, great margins, growth in the right direction. Everything's going really well. And I launched it and I get an email from, um, initially just one. And then some other folks that says, Hey Joe, is this the owner of the business with a link? And then it says, if it is, yeah, I'm out. And it turns out that he was a registered sex offender. And, uh, one of the things I talk about in the book as well is, you know, get ugly fast. Um, yeah. And and by the way, if Chuck is listening, I know I misquoted him. It's get ugly early, not get ugly fast, which is just about the same damn thing. Chuck's (laughs) one of the guys that's on the quiet light team. Um, If he had told me the situation, if he had been honest with the person that was going to help him change his financial future and give him freedom and flexibility to leave that CPA and do whatever the hell he wanted to do Mm -hmm. for the rest of his life he would have achieved his goals but he didn't tell me about it right and so i had to have a difficult conversation with him and hear his side of the story which may or may not have been true um and then you know i'd sort of put it out there mm-hmm. I, I couldn't go out there and well he actually ended up not you know pulling the listing cuz he just felt so uncomfortable with it mm. uh, ultimately what he should have done. He was, af- he was afraid that the CPA firm was going to find out that he was a registered sex offender. Okay. Um, and so he didn't want to getting out there. We could have handled that by, yeah. you know, not revealing his name and until we had really interested parties, that right. type of thing. And we also could have and should have for the buyer's benefit, as well as for the seller said upfront, you know, here's the business, here's the teaser. But then when they sign the NDA and get the full package, first and foremost, right. For the record, this person is a registered sex offender. This is his story. It doesn't change the value of the business, but you need to know this before you go any further. Right. Otherwise people are going to get into it and then they're going to to learn about that later and trust is gone. Exactly. Right. So I wish I had done that. So if, if, you know, if you like the four pillars, which you better pay attention to, because it's going to sway the value of your business greatly. Yeah. Um, the mortar that holds them together is you. Be a mm-hmm. good person, be a good human, do the right thing, and always think, I'm going to build a great business for a great buyer to take over at a great price, yeah. and, and you'll be there. You'll get more money, too. I talk about John in the book, who was 72 years old when I sold his business, mm-hmm. and uh, multiples were low at the time. Nothing above a 274 was selling and John had a 17 year old content site doing $400,000 a year in revenue. This is a beautiful story. He and his wife just traveled the world for 17 years, writing about their journey and doing daily tests about daily quizzes about where they were and things of that nature. And they give away prizes. 400 grand. Normally it would have been worth like 11.5, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, 1.15 million. Um, I trusted John. I believed in John. he had a certain level of sincerity about him, and I took a leap of faith because it was John and went with a four time multiple at one point six million, and we had multiple offers. and it was because of John. Right. it wouldn't have it wouldn't have sold if it was this other kid. um so be be that person that buyers just love and they will give you more money and they will mm-hmm. give you more cash in better terms. You know they're buying the business that you built, so you were ingrained in that business. So be a good person. Right now, one other trick for the buyers: the secret to being a great buyer is just not to be a. a, a, a what what is this rated? Um,
1: <laughs> explicit. Just don't
0: just, <laughs> don't just don't be an asshole. Yeah. Right? My favorite buyer is a guy named Noah Chanan, and I saw him in uh, in Norfolk a few weeks ago. Um, and it, he, he was in a multiple offer situation. Actually, he's one of my favorite cause somebody else won the offer, but, um, it, and he just, he was smiling and happy and complimentary about the business and likable. And just wanted to have a beer with a guy, you know, he couldn't pull all the numbers together to get the best offer and deal structure out there. Um, but he was so memorable and so likable. So the next time You know, a listing came along. I thought, Noah's the guy. Noah, take a look at this one. And he ended up buying a wonderful business at a great value. And he's growing it like crazy. Another one is, you know, Matt Howard at Profound Commerce that I mentioned a few minutes ago. I don't think I've ever sold a business to Matt where he's not been in a multiple offer situation. And Matt ends up winning the bid, but not at the highest price. It's because he's the most trustworthy and likable. People people believe in him. You know, I sold a a business in a a pickleball space. You know what pickleball is? Yeah. Yeah. I I think I had seven offers on it and he ended up buying the business for something like $150,000 less than the highest offer because the seller of the business trusted him, liked him, believed that he would get from letter of intent to closing. It's kind of important, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, (laughs) Kind of important. Uh, And he did. And, um, you know, he's, he's, and he's, At the same time though, for buyers listening, um, occasionally Matt has not not been the lowest, he's been the highest and he's willing to look at a a forward looking multiple. He'll look out three months and six months based upon the current growth and say, all right, that's fine. I'll pay an extra 50 or a hundred thousand because I'm gonna earn that back in three months. It's not a big deal. I want this business, let's get it done. Okay. And he he yeah. knew also what he could personally bring to the table to take that business you know you know from 1.5 million in revenue to 7 million in right. revenue he had that ability and he knew what the value was to him personally mm-hmm. and and so he made that choice a few times as well so buyers buyer should do that just don't yeah. well the multiple feels too high um you know look for 3 months if it's growing pretty rapidly
1: excellent this is v- this has been um, amazing information. <laughs> it is, there's a lot here.
0: This is yeah. We very were going to m- talk for twenty five to thirty minutes. What happened? It's been mm-hmm. sixty. I'm, yeah, I'm no. so sorry. Okay.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> it, this is juicy information. This is a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is. The, um, I'm going to have to really. I, I. Everybody who owns a business needs to listen to this podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Let's get is, it out there. This was let's fantastic.
1: Get, so let's get I have, 22
0: million downloads.
1: Yeah, really. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? I have one final question. Yes. What are you currently reading? You know what I was reading.
0: <laughs> what I, are you reading? I, I, I do know. Well, I just got over two weeks of COVID. So I'm currently not reading every anything. <gasps> oh. But I I just recently read um, Good to Great. That's the, la- the, the latest yeah. one that I actually listened. Okay. It, um because i go for a run or a long walk and listen to that that's so so fantastic it's like a reread or is this- uh no this is actually the first time i've read it you know really it's been around a long time
1: yeah
0: oh i've had my head down for years trying to build quiet light uh, by yeah. just hustling harder than the next guy yeah and now that i'm out of that and doing different things for the company i'm going oh, okay I'm helping direct this ship. I should learn a few more things, right? And and anybody that's in that situation, good to great is
1: fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Getting the
0: right people on the bus. Um, Next up is Atomic Habits.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I have that. That was gifted to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think I'm probably still going to go with the audio, even though somebody sent me the hardcover. I may do. I may do both. A few people have recommended uh, listening to the audio while actually reading the books. Yeah.
1: I do that sometimes too. It's just, I don't know why it just, well, because it just, you know, it integrates differently, but it, yeah. it works. It, it really does. Yeah, Both Fantastic I, books. And, and good to great yeah. is one of those, you know, if you're getting into business, it should be one of the first ones you read.
0: I think the next is read the one thing. Um, it's an easy read. Yeah. Um, I hear too many people multitasking and doing so many th- different things, yeah. either yeah. personally or in their business. And I, mm-hmm. I heard, I heard uh, Sam Parr on um, my first million say the other day, uh, niches gets riches. Yeah. So when you niche down in your business, that's when you're really going to gain value. Yes. That's what we do at Quiet Light. We yeah. sell online businesses. We don't sell brick and mortar stores as well or right. franchises and things of that nature. Right. But we are niching down like crazy.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, th- this, I really do appreciate the time and it, it just, I, this was fantastic.
0: My pleasure. I, I think I told you earlier on, and I'm sure you've heard people say, you, you know, you, you never get rich by selling a book. Um, and, <laughs> and I had said, I had said on a podcast six to eight months ago, like, if I could give it away free, I would. But there's a cost associated with sending a book, you know, right. nine or 10 bucks, whatever right. it might be. So uh, as I told you at the beginning, I set up a mm-hmm. URL where people can get the digital version of the book. Yep for free. They can download it, read it on the Kindle, their iBook, their Nook, whatever it might be. Yep. Um, I know you're going to share the URL. I the am. It's, uh, I'm going to give it verbally here as well. It's <laughs> exitpreneur.io, exitpreneur.io forward slash pinnacle. If you just go to that URL, you'll be able to download the digital version of the book at no cost.
1: And all of Joe's, that URL and all of Joe's contact information, social media links, it's all going to be in the episode notes. So absolutely go to the URL, download the book, read it. It is a fantastic read. Well, just, I can't say enough about how much information is in this book. And it's, it's just, whether you have an online business or not, it is valuable information. It's information that you need to understand whether you're thinking about exit or not, because I think you said this at the beginning of the book. And and I've always believed this. If you're running your business with the intent to eventually exit because you will, then you won't have to hurry up and fix everything right before you try to go to sale. Mm -hmm. and not because that is not the time to do it yeah so as always thank you everyone for joining me today i really do hope that you have found this episode as valuable as i have this is christine trumbull with mastering your exit strategy until next week bye